Jerusalem Post headlines report the end of days will occur on the Mount of Olives. There is much more to the story than that was, that was reported. Therefore, we will look at the prophetic significance of the Mount of Olives on this edition of End of the Age. The Jerusalem Post recently published an article on the Mount of Olives, the end of days is going to happen right here. And I pulled a few excerpts from this article because it was, um, they just didn't really cover everything like I thought they should. So I'm going to pull, pull a few excerpts from the article, go over that. And then I'm going to fill in some gaps, just to say the least, in that article uh, through the rest of these segments. They stated that the Mount of Olives and the Kidron Valley, uh, and below it sits at the crossroads of the world's three monotheistic religions, Jews, Christians, and Muslims, and that they all believe that at the end of days, it's going to happen right here. Well... When we talk about the end of days, that's one thing we would need to correct because when the Lord comes back at His second coming, that's not the end of days. We know that the Bible talks about beyond His second coming, there's another 1,000-year millennial reign where He will set up His kingdom here on the earth. So we want to make sure you're getting the full picture here. It's not the end of days. That's not till after the great white throne of judgment. But it is, my main focus today is the Mount of Olives and the significance of that. And that is where the end of this age will culminate. At the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ and the Battle of Armageddon. The Battle of Armageddon will culminate right there in the Kidron Valley, right at the foot of the western side of the Mount of Olives. Now the article goes on to say that several Biblical accounts are believed to have occurred on the mountain. Well, that's absolutely true. In 2 Samuel, the article says, King David fled from Absalom through the Kidron Valley and over the Mount of Olives on his way to the east. That's a true statement. That absolutely did happen. I'll talk about it here in just a moment. It goes on to say, In the first temple times, the goat of Azazel, or the scapegoat, many of you will know that story, was taken through the mountain on the way out to the wilderness on Yom Kippur to atone for the sins of Israel back in uh, Leviticus 16. And in Second Temple times, the red heifer, we've talked about that many times on this program, the red heifer was burnt on the Mount of Olives. They had a place there where it would be, uh, that's purification sacrifice, Uh, would be done, and that would atone for the sins of... Or I should say, that not that's not an atonement sacrifice. 
that is done for the purification of Israel if they've come in contact with a dead body. That's the red heifer sacrifice. And they say that although um, it was only done six times in 200 years, the red heifer sacrifice on the Mount of Olives. And then according to the vision of the prophet Zechariah that the end of days, now the article says the end of days, I'm saying the end of this age. Big difference in the end of days and the end of this age that it will be announced by God on the Mount of Olives. That's a true statement, and then we'll get into that in great detail. Then it says, for Christians, the Mount of Olives served as Jesus' base during many events. The, the last week of Jesus' life, um, his arrival in Jerusalem and his, the shuttling between Jerusalem uh, during the day to preach and Bethany at night, the, the Last Supper, the betrayal, the, the, his crucifixion and his resurrection. So for the, for the Jews, it is the burial ground for some of the Bible's most important prophets. And then the guide who is writing the article, he's an Israeli guide, his name's Cooper. He said that the Jewish folklore from the Middle Ages attributes the Mount of Olives as the burial site of the prophets Haggai, and Malachi, as well as the prophet Isaiah. And then, of course, you have the Garden of Gethsemane, the Church of All Nations, and that's pretty much, in a nutshell, that is the Jerusalem Post's description of the Mount of Olives. But, oh, wow, (laughs) is there much more to the story than that? So, every year... When End Time Ministries takes uh, tours to Israel. Prior to COVID, we took two tours a year. and But when we take tours to Israel, our first site that we visit is the Mount of Olives. We start in Jerusalem, and we end up, at the, at the, um, up in Tiberias by the Sea of Galilee. Because that's where we have the baptisms, and we want that at the end of our tour. We do that on purpose. And if you've ever went with us, you know why we do that. Oh, and by the way, we are going back to Israel this September. We're going to take our first tour post-COVID. If you'd like to make the journey with us, call 1-800-363-8463 and ask for my wife, Jana Robbins. The tour is filling up very quickly. We've actually only got less than 20 seats left. I mean, it's going very fast. So if you'd like to go with us, give us a call, 1-800-END-TIME. And so when we go to the, our, our, again, our first stop is the Mount of Olives, right up on top, overlooking the Temple Mount. And we go there because there is so much biblical, historical, and prophetic importance to the Mount of Olives. That, I, I, we need to go there first and explain what happened. Uh, Jesus stood there, the, the, the um, Olivet Discourse, and everything else that happened there. We have to explain that because on our tours... We give the biblical side, the historic, historic side, the archaeology, and uh, also the prophetic side. So it's a real, uh, a very inclusive tour. Now, knowing the biblical and, and more specifically the prophetic significance to the Mount of Olives, I thought I might fill in just a few gaps to the Jerusalem Post article and that, that they neglected to provide. Uh, And you'll see what I'm talking about by the time we're done with these segments. Now, 
We're talking about the Mount of Olives. Matthew 24 is one of the most famous, if not the most famous, prophecy chapters in the entire Bible. And it's known as the Olivet Discourse. Jesus spoke while standing on the Mount of Olives, overlooking the Temple Mount. And the disciples asked Jesus, When shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of His coming, and of the end of the age? And so when we get back from the break, we're going to talk about this in great detail. What did Jesus say when he was standing on the Mount of Olives? Again, a very pivotal point in Scripture. He's describing, Jesus is describing his second coming. Right now, there are tens of thousands of Jewish immigrants stranded in Ukraine as Russia invades city after city with no regard for human life. 3,000 Jews are ready to return to Israel today. The need for evacuation, shelter, flights, and emergency housing, nearly $10 million. The Jews in Ukraine need your help. If half of you gave just $250 toward this need, it would be met in full today. Please consider giving to help Jews safely escape Ukraine. To give or learn more, go to endtime.com slash Ukraine or call 800-END-TIME. That's endtime.com slash Ukraine or 800-363-8463. Hi, I'm Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. Since we started End Time Ministries, there have been many times we weren't sure how we would pay the bills. But God has always provided. We started with the magazine, then went on radio and TV. And now we have the Jerusalem Prophecy College in Israel and online and End of the Age Plus. The mission has always been to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the End Time message. Through the years, my husband would say, we will see revival like never before in the last days. We are living in the end time now. Thank you for walking this journey with us and continuing in prayer. You are a part of the team. Thank you for your generous support. It is necessary for God's purpose. The most important thing is that you are ready when the Lord comes. Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you and we love you. We're in Matthew 24, one of the most famous prophecy chapters in the Bible and, you know, known as the Olivet Discourse because it was on the Mount of Olives. Jesus spoke while standing on the Mount of Olives, overlooking the great expanse of the Temple Mount, right out ahead, right across the Kidron Valley. The the disciples had asked Jesus, when shall these things be and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the age? When... And, and, you know, the end of the age, which is when Jesus will return to rapture his church and establish his kingdom on the earth for 1,000 years. Well, the rest of chapter 24, Jesus provides events that will occur just prior to and shortly after the rapture of the church and the second coming of Jesus Christ. And Jesus warns in the chapter of false prophets, Take heed that no man deceive you, many will come in my name and deceive many. 
He talks of that there was, is going to be wars and rumors of wars, famines, uh, pestilences, or uh, a synonymous term would be pandemics. Are we seeing any pandemics today? Absolutely. And then he would say you would see earthquakes in diverse places. He also tells us that, and this is wonderful news for us as Christians, right? He tells us that the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations before his second coming. And then we come to Matthew 24, 15, and it speaks of a prophecy concerning the West Bank. Jesus, in Matthew 24, he answered those questions, and in verse 15 he talks about the West Bank or, uh, in biblical times, Judea. And in Matthew 24, 15 through 21, Jesus said, When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. Now remember, he's up on the Mount of Olives looking at the second temple. He had just come through there. The disciples were showing him the, the, the beauty of the second temple. And they went right across the Kidron Valley, right up on top of the Mount of Olives. And he turns around and he told them, he said, I'm telling you guys, all this stuff is coming down. Not one stone is going to be left on another. They went up there. They asked him the questions. When are these things going to happen? What's going to be the sign of your coming the end of the age? He's standing up there talking to them. He says, when you see... Now, he's talking to us now, the generation prior to his second coming. He said, when you see the abomination of desolation occur, stand in the holy place. Well, the disciples knew where the holy place was. It was in the temple. And so he's describing to them, he's really telling us, where will the abomination of desolation occur? And I'll get into that in more detail uh, if we have time. But he said, whoso readeth, let him understand. Then let them which be in Judea, which if you're, if you're standing on the Mount of Olives, the Kidron Valley, the, the Temple Mount, directly behind you is the West Bank, the biblical term, uh, or the, the, the biblical area, Judea. It's right behind the Mount of Olives would be on the, uh, beyond the eastern slope. Jesus said, When you see that him occur, let them which be in Judea flee, the West Bank. Let him which is on the housetop, don't even, you know, don't even come down to take anything out of your house. You just hit the ground running. Don't let him, let him that's in the field, don't even go back to get your clothes. And woe unto them that are with child and to them that give suck in those days. But pray ye that your flight is not in the winter neither on the Sabbath day, for then shall be great tribulation. Why, is the, why are those in Judea and Samaria, why are they going to have to flee out in the West Bank region just prior to His second coming? For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. So today, the West Bank Jews are under tremendous pressure the liberal Jews in Israel, they view them as, <clears throat> as agitators and, and religious extremists who are only blocking peace in Israel. And they are looked at with, uh, they're looked upon with um, kind of a disdain and are being cast out. And this is only the beginning. There will be great persecution there before this is all over with. Ultimately, they will become the targets of the great tribulation that Jesus prophesied about here. Now, I'll get to the abomination of desolation here in a little bit. 
But also, Matthew, in Matthew 24, 29 through 31, remember, all of this is happening. Jesus is standing here prophesying about this, standing on the Mount of Olives. So, so much prophetic significance to the, to the Mount of Olives, right? Matthew 24, 29 through 31. It then tells us when the rapture will occur. Now, this is Jesus talking. Jesus said, immediately after the tribulation of those days, shall the sun be darkened, moon shall not give her light, stars will fall from heaven, the powers of heaven shall be shaken, then shall appear the sign of the, of the uh, Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, for they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory, and here comes the rapture, and he shall send his angels with the great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together the, his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. When did Jesus himself say that that event would occur? Immediately after the tribulation of those days. Verse 29. And these most insightful prophecies are spoken by Jesus on the Mount of Olives. Now, of course, after his crucifixion, Jesus ascends to heaven from the Mount of Olives. So these things are just major prophetic and biblical and prophet, more specifically prophetic events are happening right here around this Mount of Olives. I mean, think about the, um, the, the Holy Basin right there, the Temple Mount, the Kidron Valley where the Battle of Armageddon is going to culminate, the Mount of Olives. All of this is probably within a, 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 a two-square-mile area. Very, sh- But look at how much is happening here. Uh, throughout time, the, the Temple Mount and the Mount of Olives, this big complex, the Holy Basin right there. Think about that. Now, in Luke 24, 49-51, he's going to describe Jesus' ascension into heaven. He says, And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high, and he led them out as far as Bethany. Just on the, on the, it would be on the um, eastern slope of the Mount of Olives. And he, the Bible says he lifted up his hand and he blessed them. This is Luke's account. And it came to pass. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. Acts chapter 1 Verses 1 through 12. I wanted to give you a very good picture here of what happens um, just prior to his ascension. Acts 1, 1 through 12. The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus both began to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up. After that, he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments under the apostles, when he had chosen, whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, but being seen by them forty days, and speaking of things <clears throat> pertaining to the kingdom of God, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, Ye have heard of me. For truly John baptized with water, 
but you shall be baptized of the Holy Ghost not many days hence. And when they therefore were come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore your kingdom to Israel? Because the disciples did not understand many of these prophecies, especially the book of Daniel, which was almost entirely prophecy. They didn't understand those things. The book of Daniel was closed up and sealed to the people of the time of the end, right? So they were asking the Lord right here, right before he ascends into heaven, hey, will you at this time restore your kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, it's not for you to know the times and the seasons. He didn't say it's not for anyone to know. He said it's not for you to know. Jesus said in Matthew 24 again that no man knoweth the day or the hour. Well, that's true. They didn't know back then. Knoweth is the present tense form of know. So 2,000 years ago, the disciples didn't understand. But we, the people, the generation that will see him come back, we can understand. The Bible's crystal clear on that. So he said, it's not for you guys to know the times or the seasons, which the Father has put in his own power. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses. When you get the Holy Ghost, what are you going to do? You're going to be witnesses. You're going to have to tell everybody this wonderful thing that's happened to me. And he says, you'll be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And that's exactly what they did, right? And when he he had spoke these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him, of their, out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why are you standing here gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Then the Bible says this, Then return they unto Jerusalem, from the Mount of Olivet, the Mount of Olives, which is from Jerusalem, about a Sabbath day's journey. Now, I know what some of you are probably saying. Well, hold on a minute, Dave. Uh, Luke said that he ascended from Bethany. And in Acts 1, it says that he ascended from the Mount of Olives. And that's contradictory. Well, no, it's actually not. Because you see... Luke wrote both books. He wrote the book of Luke. He wrote the book of Acts. And Luke knew that Bethany, or the vicinity of Bethany, was located on the extreme eastern slope of the Mount of Olives. So, no. The Bible's not contradictory. It's true and sure every single time, right? But this is all centered right here around the Mount of Olives. Now... Jesus ascended from the Mount of Olives, and guess what? He is going to return to the Mount of Olives. What makes this mountain so significant that Jesus Christ himself chose that spot in all the earth? I mean, why didn't he ascend from the Temple Mount? I don't know. Why didn't he ascend from... Uh, up in Galilee, Nazareth, and, and all of that region, the beautiful oasis in the desert. Why didn't he ascend from up there? No, he chose to ascend from and to come back to the Mount of Olives. So, let's talk about his coming back. 
Let's talk about the culmination of the Battle of Armageddon. We see the culmination of these events, Zechariah 14, 1 through 2. Now, the Battle of Armageddon, it's talked about all through the Bible. But I want to talk about something specific in Zechariah 14. The Bible says, Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, and thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. The city shall be taken, the houses rifled, the women ravished. Half of the city is going to go forth into captivity and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. So at that point, either, you know, the United States has protected Israel all the way up to that point, but at that point, the United States is not either not going to use their its veto power, and it will allow some resolutions to be passed for the invasion of Israel to be passed. It's actually been, one of them's already been passed. Or all veto power will have been uh, suspended. They're talking about in the news right now about President Biden uh, perhaps maybe negotiating our some of our sovereignty over our, a veto power at the U.N. Security Council. And, you know, in negotiations for some of that right now at the United Nations. So maybe, I don't know, what will happen to our veto power at the time when the Battle of Armageddon occurs, but something will happen to allow the nations of the world to come down against Israel. Maybe that veto power will have been suppressed by then and we will be unable to prevent that from happening. If we do allow it, we would probably allow the forces to invade and capture the land that the Jews captured in the 67 war because many of our leaders today are okay with that. And apparently that is what happens because it says that half of the city will go forth into captivity. And prior to the 1967 war, the Six Days War, um, the Jordan controlled that. Israel was not in control of East Jerusalem at that point. Now, there is a hill near the Mount of Olives called the Hill of Evil Council. This is the location of the United Nations headquarters in Israel. And the UN has a very strong presence in Israel, and ultimately it will bring down the force of one of the, the world government against Israel to battle. And this is exactly what it says when, hey, I will bring the nations down. The Bible also says, I will put a hook in your jaw and I will bring you down against Israel to battle. But God is going to clean house when that happens. The battle is going to start in the plain of Megiddo, come down the Jordan Valley, go right up into the gates of Jerusalem, and it will culminate right there at the Kidron Valley between the Temple Mount and the Mount of Olives. And guess what, folks? That's when the Lord will plant His feet on the Mount of Olives. So there's so much prophetic significance to the Mount of Olives, and I'm just filling in the gaps from the Jerusalem Post article that neglected to do so. So we'll get more into this into the next segment of End of the Age. Whether it's a global pandemic, threat of war, or floundering economies, End-time events are happening around the world every day. How can you have peace in a world of such great uncertainty? With the End Time Magazine subscription, you can gain a deeper understanding of current events and its prophesied repercussions. End Time Magazine's exclusive content and prophetic insight allows you to understand where we are in the end time. It will give you peace when horrific news and events happen. 
When you subscribe today to End Time Magazine for 12 months for just $19.99, you can have hope for the future because you will understand what the Bible says about the time we are living in. You'll get access to exclusive articles like the prophesied American-Israeli Alliance, End Time Do's and Don'ts, and Could School Choice Save America? Subscribe for you or a friend right now. Go to endtime.com or call 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-END-TIME. The symbols and prophecies within the book of Revelation have perplexed Christians and unbelievers around the world. In his final work, Revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ, part two. The late Irvin Baxter unlocks the mystery of the book of Revelation with in-depth analysis and commentary like you've never heard before. These comprehensive study tools, available for $299, will deepen your biblical understanding. Don't miss this special offer. Call 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com. If your station only carries the first 30 minutes of End of the Age, go to endtime.com and click the watch button to continue today's broadcast. You can also finish up later by clicking the archive button. At the Battle of Armageddon, just when it looks like Israel is about to be defeated, there will be so much bloodshed. The Bible says the blood will flow to the horse bridles. Now, whether that is symbolic or literal, I don't know the answer to that. But there will be bloodshed like you cannot imagine. The world governing armies coming down against little old Israel to take control. And it's going to culminate right there in the Kidron Valley between the Temple Mount and the Mount of Olives. But the Lord has had it up to here with the world government and the Antichrist, and He's done. So Zechariah 14, 3-4 says, Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when He fought in the day of battle. Here it is. And His feet shall stand in that day on the Mount of Olives the place where he ascended from into heaven 2,000 years ago, he's coming back, plants his feet on the Mount of Olives, and now he's coming back, not as a suffering servant, but as a conquering king. The Bible says he plants his feet on the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives is going to split. The Bible says it shall cleave in the midst thereof towards the east and towards the west, And there shall be a very great valley. Half of the mountain shall remove towards the north and towards the south. And when Jesus comes down and puts his feet on the Mount of Olives, the mountain's going to split wide open and the same earthquake will shake the Temple Mount and and may destroy the Al-Aqsa Mosque and the Dome of the Rock. I don't know. And so, but it all is centering around where at? Right there in that holy basin, right there on the Mount of Olives. Now, another account of Armageddon, Revelation 19, 19 through 20. This would be part of John's account. John said, I saw the beast or the Antichrist. This is right here at the culmination of the Battle of Armageddon. And the, the Antichrist and the kings of the earth and their armies, and they were gathered together to make war against him who sat on the horse. These world-governing armies will actually think they can fight against and defeat Jesus Christ who had just come out of the clouds of the sky. 
And they're going to fight against his army, which will be the saints. The Bible says in the book of Jude, he comes back with ten thousands of his saints. The Bible says the beast or the Antichrist was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. Whoever the Pope is at the time uh, of, that the Antichrist was revealed and during the Great uh, Tribulation and at the time of the Second Coming, he will be the false prophet and the Antichrist, the world political leader. He's the beast. Both of these men will be cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone at the second coming of Jesus Christ. Then Revelation 19, 21 says, And the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat on the horse, which sword proceedeth out of his mouth, and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. Jesus Christ returns with his saints to the Mount of Olives to be crowned King of Kings and Lord of Lords. What a day that will be, right? I am going to be, by the Lord's help, I will be one of the saints that's with him coming back. Irvin Baxter, my father-in-law, always said he would be on horse number three. I don't know if I'm... I I just want to be on one of the horses. I'll put it like that. (laughs) Just let me be in that group. But Zechariah 14... Jesus will plant his feet, and there will be a great Jewish revival at that time. A revival, you know, it can span, what, 30, 40, 100 years? I mean, who knows? But this revival actually began in the early days of the church age. When the angel appeared to Zacharias, and he told him that he would have a son, John the Baptist, the forerunner of the Most High, and the rebirth of the nation of Israel, It's going to culminate on the Mount of Olives when the Jews will worship Jesus and acknowledge Him as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Romans 20, uh, Romans, uh, what would it be, 11, 25, and 26 says, Blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in, and so all Israel shall be saved. It's a great time of revival. God will turn back to Israel. Scripture tells us that God plunged the Jews into blindness while He dealt with the Gentiles. The Gentiles were in blindness throughout the Old Testament while God dealt with the Jews. The Bible says that God hath concluded all in unbelief so that He might have mercy on all. Well, we're reaching the pivotal era when the veil will be ripped off the Jewish mind by and large Remember the Bible says that they've been blinded in part. I have friends that are Jewish that have been born again. So it's th- this veil will be ripped off of the, the Jewish mind collectively, and it's already starting to happen, folks. And the Jews, of course, they expect, they know the prophecies of Zechariah. They expect their Messiah to come back to the Mount of Olives. That's why when they're about to be defeated... They are going to call on the Messiah. You know, in the middle of their fighting, think about it. The soldiers of all the armies, they're going to see Jesus Christ ascend from the, mount, from the heavens onto the Mount of Olives and His armies behind Him. The Jewish people will fall down and worship Him. 
The Bible says one will look at Jesus' hands. This is what the uh, Zechariah 13, 6. And it's going to say, one shall say unto him, what are, they, they know he's the Messiah, right? He come out of the clouds, conquering king, plants his feet on the Mount of Olives. The Jews know that's going to happen. But when they, go, when they see him, they're going to say, well, where'd you get those scars in your hands? This is Zechariah 13. And he's going to answer, these are those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. And they're going to realize that the, 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 the Jewish people, they're going to be overcome with 2,000 years of, they, they've had 2,000 years of spiritual blindness. They're going to realize at that point that Jesus is, in fact, the Messiah. Great revival, right? Romans 11, 25 and 26, all of Israel will be saved when the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. Then Zechariah 12, verse 10 says, And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one that mourneth for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him as, as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. The Bible says the Jews will weep because of their rejection of the Messiah. This will be the beginning of the millennium, the 1,000 years of peace. I would love to be somewhere, uh, well, you know what? I will be there. I'm going to be in the army that comes back with him. The rapture's already taken place at this point, you understand? The Jews that are saved at this point, they will live into the millennial reign as mortals. I would be part of the immortals that will have been given an immortal body at the time of the rapture. This is when it all culminates. The rapture takes place. We're given immortal bodies. The dead in Christ rise first. We who are alive and remain will be caught up to meet them in the air. We have the marriage supper of the Lamb in the sky. We go straight with him to fight on behalf of Israel at the battle of Armageddon. It's at that point he plants his feet on the Mount of Olives. All of Israel saved. He defeats the armies of the world government and establishes his kingdom here on the earth. Daniel 7, 9 tells it like this. I beheld until the thrones were cast down and the Ancient of Days did sit. The thrones of human government are going to be put aside. All governments will be suspended and Jesus will be crowned King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Guess where most of this stuff is happening, folks? The Mount of Olives. It's, it, when I started going through this, I thought... I've never done this before. Just looked at all the different uh, accounts of the Mount of Olives and how significant that mount is. And when I saw that in the Jerusalem Post, I thought, man, I've got to fill in some of these gaps here. These guys left so much of this out. Well, of course, this is the seventh trump, the second coming. These are different accounts of the same event. Revelation eleven thirteen, the Bible says that at the end of the era of the uh, ministry of the two witnesses, this is Reve uh, Revelation 11, that they will be killed by the Antichrist and the world government. They'll lay in the streets for three and a half days. At the end of three and a half days, they will be called up to heaven. And the Bible says, at the same hour was there a great earthquake. And the tenth part of the city fell, and the earthquake were slain 7,000 men. And the remnant were affrighted and gave glory to God in heaven. So it will be like the earthquake that shook Jerusalem 
at the crucifixion of Jesus. There's another earthquake coming that will kill 7,000 and it's going to split the Mount of Olives. And we find it again, Zechariah 14.4. He puts his feet on the Mount of Olives in that day, which is before Jerusalem on the east. The Mount of Olives is going to cleave towards the east, the west, and a great valley, the north and the south. Uh, and we're just it's, it's going to be a horrible earthquake. And uh, moving on, the Bible says that the Mount of Olives will cleave half going north and half going south. That leaves the fault line through the Mount of Olives that runs straight towards the Dome of the Rock, possibly sending it straight to hell. And this causes the remnant to be affrighted. Up until this point, with every plague that came, even the horrible war that killed one-third part of men, the people repented not. They, they did not fear God. Suddenly, everything changes. The remnant starts giving glory to God, right? And then another count that we're going, this is just Mount of Olives after Mount of Olives. It's one account after another. In Revelation, uh, we're talking about the, um, the reaping of the vine of the earth. Now we're over in Revelation 14 where we're talking about an account of the, the simultaneous harvest at the time of the second coming. This account is the exact same thing of the wheat and the tares in Matthew 13. In Revelation 14, 17 through 18, there's another account, or I should say another harvest, it's another account of it, that's different from the first. And it says, another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven, and also having a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar, which had power over fire, and cried to a loud voice uh, with him that had the sharp sickle. And he said, Thrust in thy sharp sickle and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. Now, bear in mind the wheat and the tares. This is the same thing. This is called the reaping of the vine of the earth. The first was the harvest of the earth. Now we're reaping the vine of the earth. The vine of the earth would be the wicked ones. The harvest of the earth in Revelation 14 is the saints, the saved individuals. The, the vine of the earth is, the, is symbolic of the unsaved individuals. Revelation 14, 19 talks about the wine press where the grapes will be trodden. What is that? It's the Battle of Armageddon. The Bible says, And the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and cast it into the great wine press of the wrath of God. The great wine press of the wrath of God is the Battle of Armageddon. If you, if you go to Revelation 19, it talks about the wine press of the wrath of God. And so all of these things fit together perfectly like a big puzzle at the Mount of Olives. I've been part of the End Time family from the beginning over 30 years ago when my parents, Irvin and Judy Baxter, began the ministry from the recliner in our living room. My name is Jana Roberts. I have the pleasure of connecting with our incredible partners every day. End Time is a small nonprofit that runs a high traffic website, a daily TV and radio show, the Prophecy College in Jerusalem, and more. Although we have less than 30 team members, we are able to serve tens of millions of people each month. 
We survive on the goodness of God and donations averaging about $50. If everyone hearing this message gave $22, our financial needs would be met for the year. If you only give to one cause per month, please consider partnering with End Time to help get the message of our soon coming King out to the world. Call us at 1-800-END-TIME to give today or go to endtime.com to become a monthly or one-time partner. The, the harvest that we're talking here, the two harvests, the first harvest is caught up to be with Jesus Christ. The second harvest is to be thrown into the winepress of the wrath of God. Revelation 14, 20 continues. And the winepress was trodden without the city, and blood came out of the winepress, even unto the horse bridles. It's going to be a horrible battle. By the space of 1,600 furlongs. So, you can notice several things here. The winepress is to be trodden without the city. This is undoubtedly speaking of Jerusalem. Immediately outside the walls of the Temple Mount, there is a valley called the Valley of Jehoshaphat, or the the modern day, the Kidron Valley. It lies just outside the eastern gate where it is prophesied in Scripture, Jesus Christ will enter at the time of His second coming. Now, the Mount of Olives is here as well. This is where the winepress of the wrath of God will be. This is describing the Battle of Armageddon. The blood will flow unto the horse bottles by the space of 1,600 furlongs. That's equivalent to 160 miles. If you measure from the plain of Megiddo in the north, northern Israel, through the Jordan Valley, up into the gates of Jerusalem, it equals about 160 miles. The Battle of Armageddon will begin in Megiddo, down through the Jordan Valley, as the armies of Israel retreat in front of it. It's going to culminate right there in the Valley of Jehoshaphat, the Kidron Valley, outside the gates of Jerusalem. Only Jesus Christ will save the Jewish people at that time. Also, the Mount of Olives helps us to put all the pieces together, allowing us to understand the final seven years of Daniel's 70th week. Now, you didn't know the the Mount of Olives did so much, did you? But as Jesus was prophesying on the Mount of Olives, He's overlooking the Temple Mount. He says in Matthew 24, 15, When you see the abomination of desolation occur, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, what do you mean by that? All the way back in Daniel 9, 27. When you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. Whoso readeth, let him understand. So, again, Jesus provides a very important clue where the abomination of desolation will occur. And again, when you're, stand, when you're studying any topic in Scripture, prophecy, salvation, whatever, make sure you get every verse that pertains to that topic because you can leave one verse out and think you've got it all figured out until somebody brings up that verse and then you're like, oh, I thought I had it figured out. So, this is one of those verses in Matthew 24. Jesus talks about the abomination of desolation that would occur here. And he also says, Whoso readeth, let him understand. Jesus knew 
that there would be people in the end time that would understand the prophecies of the Bible. This is very, very important because a lot of people nowadays say, oh, you can't understand all the prophecies. That's just all a figment of somebody's imagination. That's a wives' tale. No, no. These things are, have, many of them have already occurred. And we can understand these things. It's very important. That's why we have this radio and television program. And we have End Time Magazine and the End of the Age Plus and Jerusalem Prophecy College and everything. It's to share these things, letting people know, hey, the second coming of Jesus Christ is just ahead of us. You probably ought to think about getting ready for that, right? Now, the final seven years of the prophecy of Daniel's 70th week described in Daniel 9, 27. I don't have time to go through the entire prophecy, but I'm going to read from the NIV here, Daniel 9, 27. He, the Antichrist, will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. It's going to be a seven-year period. In the middle of the seven, he shall put an end to the sacrifice and offering, and at the temple he will set up an abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed is poured out upon him. At the temple, where was Jesus standing when he was talking about when you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel? He was standing on the Mount of Olives overlooking the Temple Mount complex. And so, yes, there is a, an incredible amount of information in Daniel 9.27. In, in order to understand that verse, we need to ask five questions. Who's the he that confirms the covenant? What is the covenant? What's the confirmation of the covenant? What's meant by the stopping of the sacrifices? And what is the event called the abomination of desolation? Man, I'm going to try to get through all these with the time I got left. So let's go through them quickly. Um, who's the he that will confirm the covenant? Well, that's really an easy question to answer because the he does three things. He confirms the covenant, causes a sacrifice and the oblation to cease, and he sets up the abomination of desolation. Daniel 11, 21 through 22, states the Antichrist, the final king of the north, will be the prince of the covenant. So it's the Antichrist that confirms the covenant. Daniel eleven thirty one says the Antichrist and his partners will take away the daily sacrifice. The same verse says the Antichrist and his partners will place the abomination that maketh desolate. So it's the Antichrist that confirms the covenant. He causes the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. He places the abomination of desolation. So the he in Daniel 9.27, it's the Antichrist. What's the covenant spoken of here? Back in Genesis 15.18, it says... In the, in the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram. That's what his name was before it was changed to Abraham. He said, unto thy seed, Abram, will I give this land. From the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, all the way back in the first book of the Bible, folks, God made a covenant with Abraham that the Holy Land would be given to his descendants through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob for a homeland forever. And this is referred to as the Abrahamic covenant. This is the covenant that will be confirmed, confirming Israel's right to exist in her homeland, right there in the promised land, just seven years prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ. What's the confirmation of the covenant? Well, if the covenant is God's promise that Abraham's descendants would live in the promised land, then that's what the confirmation of the covenant is. We've, we've already proven... Um, many times that the Antichrist is the he of Daniel 
So it follows that he is the one who confirms the covenant. And in other words, the Antichrist will confirm Israel's right to exist in that promised land. You say, well, how are they going to do that? He's going to be over the world government. Well, the international community recognizes a two-state solution to the only solution to the Israel-Palestinian problem. So the Antichrist, it appears, will be the one of many that will get that the uh, peace deal pushed across the finish line. And he will be looked at a great peacemaker and a great orator and coming on a platform of peace and flatteries. But that's, it's not, you know, he starts out one thing and he's a politician. He's a master politician driven by Satan. He starts out one way, but he's going to end up. It's, there's an ulterior motive to the whole thing. He's going to end up very devious. Now, presently, Israel's enemies deny that she has a right to the homeland there. Most of the Arab countries have yet to recognize Israel's right to exist. Some of them have. When the confirmation of the covenant takes place, the Antichrist and the whole world community will confirm Israel's right to exist in the homeland with agreed-upon borders. And this agreement will establish a Palestinian state in the area of Judea, Samaria, commonly referred to as the West Bank. Now, the fourth question. What is the stopping of the sacrifices? Well, the Middle East peace agreement is going to place the Temple Mount under a sharing arrangement between Muslims and Jews, and that's according to Revelation 11, 1 and 2. <clears throat> Israel's going to be allowed to build her third temple without disturbing the Muslim holy places. When the temple is completed, animal sacrifices will be offered just like they were in the Old Testament. And these are the sacrifices that the Antichrist is going to stop. And probably at the urging of the animal rights activist. I mean, you can only imagine when an animal is being killed every morning and every evening, people will be going out of their minds over that. And then finally, the abomination of desolation that Jesus talked about. What is that event? Well, the abomination of desolation, again, it appears many times in Scripture, but in Matthew 24, 15, Jesus said, the abomination of desolation would stand in the holy place. The holy place is in the temple, or at least on the temple mount. Jesus is standing there on the Mount of Olives, overlooking that. All these pieces are tying together, right? The Apostle Paul described it in more detail, the abomination of desolation. This was 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3 through 4. He said the coming of Jesus would not occur until the man of sin, the son of perdition, the Antichrist, was revealed. And he went on to say that the Antichrist would actually sit in the temple of God. Now he's talking about the third temple here. And claim to be God. Well, where does the abomination of desolation occur? In the temple. Jesus told us that. He told them, he said, it's gonna, when you see the abomination of desolation occur in the holy place, the holy place is in the temple. The abomination of desolation is when the Antichrist will stand in the temple, built on the temple mount, the third temple, proclaiming himself to be God. So now you know how to read and understand Daniel 9, 27. And I could get into so much more detail, I'm not going to have time here. But when you see the peace agreement signed between Israel and the Palestinians, which confirms Israel's right to a homeland in the Middle East, places the Temple Mount under a sharing arrangement, allows the building of Israel's third temple. That's the beginning of the final seven years 
to the second coming of Jesus Christ in the Battle of Armageddon. In the middle of that final seven years, the Antichrist is going to stop the sacrifices, stand in a rebuilt Jewish temple, proclaim to be God. That event is the abomination of desolation, which begins the final three and one half years to Armageddon. And that final three and one half years is what Jesus called the Great Tribulation. Now, folks, listen, the Mount of Olives, there's so much more detail I could go into. There, there's the, the, um, the Mount of Olives is frequently mentioned in the New Testament from, uh, because um, you remember Jesus entered uh, from the Mount of Olives. Jesus entered into the Mount of Olives at the beginning of the last week of his life. That's Matthew 21, 1 and Mark 11, 1. And it's also, and this is another place. We, we go to all these places on our tours to Israel. But it's the traditional site of the Garden of Gethsemane where they have those giant olive trees and um, that was where Jesus prayed and just before he was betrayed by Judas Iscariot, Mark 26, uh, Matthew 26 and Mark 14. That's on the western slopes of the Mount of Olives. So, you know, I, I read this article and I, I, there's a lot more detail we could go into. I don't have time today, but I read this article on the Jerusalem Post. And they just left out so much detail that I wanted to kind of fill in because when you talk about Jesus Christ himself standing on the Mount of Olives, probably prophesying and giving the most detailed, popular account of his second coming and th- events that would occur around that in the Bible at the Olivet Discourse, and then his ascension happened from the Mount of Olives. He will come back to the Mount of Olives. We have to talk about it to tie all the pieces together. And so that's what I wanted to do is to fill in a few gaps from some of the things that were in that original Jerusalem Post article. And not that the guy did a bad job, but he just left a few things out. So I wanted to make sure that we understand the big picture of Bible prophecy. And I love getting detailed into it as long as I have time. That's what we lack is time. But I know that as, as, as long as we're ready to meet the Lord in the end, it's all good, right? Just be ready to meet the Lord at His second coming. This has been End of the Age, brought to you by the faithful partners of End Time Ministries. If you're not currently a partner with End Time Ministries, or if you would like more information, we invite you to call us at 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-363-8463 or visit us online at endtime.com.